The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It's 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. Stocks struggling to find some fuel as worries grow with the Fed, but not Texas tea. Oil and oil stocks all fired up as they continue to take off. Also skyrocketing, shares of AMC. This is no movie. They're up again this morning as its market cap balloons past half the companies in the S&P 500. JBS looking to fully resume operations today. The FBI formally identifies the hackers behind the cyber attack. The little engine that could hedge fund engine number one snagging another seat on ExxonMobil's board as it extends its efforts to shake up the energy giant. And digging in on the SPAC trend as Chamath Palihapitiya looks to roll out not one, not two, but yeah, four new blank check companies, all with a new focus. It is Thursday, June 3rd, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Good Thursday morning, and here's how your money in the global markets are setting up their day. Futures Ah, not doing a whole lot, not giving us a lot of indication. We'll call them slightly down. The Dow futures off 38 points. I mean, like one-tenth of one percent, if that. NASDAQ even less. We'll call that flat to maybe slightly lower. Very different story for oil and oil stocks. Crude continues to, to rise, jumping to a more than two-year high. OPEC managing supply. No new capital spending in the Permian Basin and demand starting to soar. We are seeing crude oil here in America trade at just under 69 a barrel. Brent crude over 71. As oil booms, so too do oil stocks and oil ETFs. Take a look at the XOP, XLE, and the the OIH oil services ETF. That VanEck oil services ETF jumping more than 8% yesterday. They are all up again right now this morning. Many of the oil names themselves, individual stocks, have nearly doubled this year. Some even more than doubling, ones that were beaten up the most, getting a nice bid, but a huge move for oil and oil stocks this year. Well, speaking of rocketing stocks, maybe the one stock everybody is talking about right now, it's not GameStop anymore. It is AMC, and AMC is up another 22%. That is after closing at an all-time high of 62 and a half bucks yesterday. It rose 95% on Wednesday. This move is pushing the movie theater chain's market cap over $31 billion. That makes AMC once left for dead. By the way, not even just in the pandemic. Before the pandemic, everybody buying huge flat panels and watching movies at home. That has left AMC more valuable than half the companies in the S&P 500. Now, for its part, AMC 
trying to return the love of retail traders. It's offering up free popcorn and the promise of exclusive movie screenings to those that held its stock. We're going to have much more on this throughout the morning. AMC up another 22% to 76, 75. If you had hodled this stock a few weeks ago, congrats to you. Take your family out to the movies. You can afford it. All right, let's go now around the world. A mixed session in Asia overnight. Not big moves in either direction. And we'll take a look at the early trade in Europe as well. Kind of a similar story globally. We're not seeing huge moves. Maybe waiting on our Fed as well. And the European markets are all slightly down, but I mean one-tenth of one percent. All right, let's move on and get to some of this morning's big headlines, including the very latest on that JBS hack, which has stifled the supply of about one-fifth of the beef sold in the United States. Contessa Brewer is here now with that and more. Contessa, good morning. Good morning to you, Brian. Yeah, JBS's U.S. unit says it's on schedule to resume production at all of its facilities today. The vast majority of those, both here and abroad, resumed operations yesterday. Meanwhile, the FBI is blaming a Russia-linked group for the cyber attack on JBS. The agency identifies the group Revel and Sodinokibi with the experts saying, look, these just might be different names for the same group with past reporting linking them to Russia. The U.S. is doing a U-turn on more than $2 billion worth of imports from six countries, initially announcing 25 percent tariffs on the goods before immediately then suspending the levy. The U.S. Trade Representative's office approved the tariffs on goods from the U.K., Italy, Spain, Turkey, India and Austria after an investigation concluded the country's digital taxes discriminated against American companies. The office says, though, it's halting the duties to allow time for international tax negotiations to continue. That move comes as the G7 countries prepare to meet in London tomorrow. And Tesla is recalling more than 700 of its Model 3 cars imported into China. Regulators in Beijing cite a recall plan that Tesla filed. They say the autos in question were produced in 2019 and have either a seatbelt issue that could increase the risk of passenger injury in the event of a crash or a tire-related problem that could increase the risk of collision. Either way, not a good thing. The recall by Tesla comes amid increased regulatory scrutiny in China in the last several months after a slew of negative consumer and media reports on vehicle issues there. Keep our eye on it, Brian. Oh, big recall there in China. Contessa Brewer, we're going to see you just in a few minutes for the trending stories of the day. Contessa, thank you very much. Sure. Well, let's get back now to the markets and your money. As fear grows around the Fed, and if they could move sooner on rates than many expect. Remember, the big monthly jobs number is out tomorrow, and inflation is everywhere. So what do you do now? For more, we're joined by Rob Morgan. He is Director of Market Strategy at SETI Companies. Rob, good to see you again. Are you worried about the Fed? Do you think the Fed could raise interest rates or even indicate it's going to raise rates sooner than we think? Ryan, I do, I, and I and I think they're gonna they're gonna make some kind of indication. Um, you, you've you've referenced uh, inflation, uh, and uh, and many of the recent earnings calls for the uh, for the for the recent quarter, uh, the term inflation was used in many of them. Now, now that now that's you know there there was a lot of good news in those earnings calls as well. Eighty six percent of companies uh, reported actual earnings uh, beat estimates, and that's that's the most. 
the highest percentage since fact sets started tracking this in 2008. But inflation was mentioned a lot. Um, I think that's the biggest risk to the economy right now. And I do think eventually uh, the Fed is going to drop hints that they're going to stop their bond purchasing program. I think that's, that's going to be the first step uh, in, in the process. And when they do, what happens? Well, you know, I, I mean, certainly most equity markets are probably going to be off of a percent or two. But I, I think many investors are already baking this uh, into, into equity markets. And uh, so I don't think it's going to be a huge surprise. Um, but uh, but uh, we'll, obviously we'll just have to wait and see. We've got a, we've got a meeting coming up uh, of the Fed mid-month. Yeah, and we look ahead at equities, and there seems to be a pause the last few days or weeks, kind of in this rotation that we have seen from growth to value. I wonder more about the rotation from the U.S. to Europe as their vaccination campaign. Now they're about a month behind us. They're booming. Cases crashing around the world. Where is the best place to invest in equities, Rob, right now around the world? Any size, any location? Yeah, well, I think, uh, and, and as you pointed out, I think uh, the dollar is going to continue to sag here. So that's so for U.S. investors, that's going to help large cap multinationals. So certainly, from a very broad perspective, I would I would overweight you know large cap growth stocks versus small cap value stocks. And then when you when you get into the weeds a little bit, looking at S and P five hundred sectors, you know, um, financials, staples, and telecom really look compelling uh, from not only, and I would overweight those sectors, not only from a valuation standpoint, but also, uh, you know, the technicals and earnings visibility as well. Rob Morgan, SETI companies there looking ahead at the Fed, maybe moving before we think. Rob, we appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, you too, Brian. Thank you. We have got a lot more to do. You're welcome on Worldwide Exchange. Coming up, your big money movers, including the best performing meme stock in yesterday's wild action. And guess what? There's one not named AMC. Hmm, who could that be? Plus, commodities crushing it as of late. The supply and demand worries fueling price spikes. We'll tell you where. And later on, your morning RBI. And as more of us hit the road, we'll tell you exactly where they're heading in droves. Locations may surprise you. Could be the year of the traffic jam. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Time now for your three big money movers, the stock stories of the day that you have got to hear about. Here we go. Stock number one, some big changes there. It's FireEye, including goodbye FireEye. It is selling its products business and its name to Symphony Technology Group for about $1.2 billion. Now, after the sale, the company will be called Mandiant Solutions. 
Stock number two, Endeavor Holdings. That is the owner of William Morris and the UFC, reporting a first quarter profit, surprising analysts who are expecting a net loss. By the way, the Endeavor CEO will be on CNBC later on today. And stock number three, Bed Bath & Beyond. Is this the newest meme stock? It is higher again. It rose 62% yesterday. That was your mystery chart. The largest one day ever gain for Bed Bath & Beyond. Up fractionally right now, but it had a gigantic Wednesday. I guess part of the reopening is everybody's going out and buying dish towels. All right on deck. Owning a piece of his airness. The massive auction of some rare Air Jordans. And your morning's other top stories with Tessa coming up. Dow futures down a bit. Crypto's up a bit. We're back right after this. Today's big number. $4.07 trillion. That's the total assets under management hedge funds had at the end of the first quarter. A new record, according to data from Barclay Hedge. Hedge funds saw $19.1 billion in new asset inflows in March alone. Imagine a beautiful afternoon. The sun is shining and you get to enjoy it all because you just sat down on your John Deere mower. The smooth ride lets you escape into your yard. Intuitive controls make you feel like you're one with the machine. And with attachments for every season, you can enjoy it all year long. We could keep trying to put you in the moment, but to really understand what it's like to drive a John Deere mower, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. All right, welcome back. Saying so long to overdraft fees, saying hello to Earth's nearest neighbor and owning a piece of his airness. Contessa Brewer is back with this morning's trending stories and Mars is Mars is so 2020, Contessa. <laughs> Let's get on to 3008. Let's start with Ally Bank. It's ending overdraft fees on all of its accounts. It's the first large U.S. bank to do so, in part because overdraft fees help boost the banking industry's profits. But critics argue those fees hurt primarily poor people who already struggle and it has an outsized impact on black and Hispanic Americans. So Ally says because of that, no more overdraft fees. Sneakers for sale at Christie's. The world-renowned auction house will put up for bid a massive collection of rare Air Jordans, 90 pair, including the first complete set of Air Jordan 1 through 14 originals. I don't even know what that means. The auction will also feature early prototypes and sample pairs that were critical in the development of the Air Jordan brands, as well as exclusives and pairs worn by Jordan's teammates and competitors. Some of them look worn, don't they? And NASA has announced two new missions to Venus. The goal is to examine the planet's atmosphere and geological features. NASA says the robotic missions will launch between 2028 and 2030 and offer the opportunity to explore a planet the U.S. hasn't been to in more than 30 years. Here's what happened. Venus came back into our uh, scope for microscopes, and a team of scientists, Brian, looked at the clouds where it's just comfortably warm instead of hellishly hot. And what they discovered was this chemical, or at least the signal they think, they, they, they see evidence of phosphine. They can't explain any reason for it to be there except that it is a waste product of living organisms. So what they're going to do is they're going to examine the clouds above Venus, 
which, uh, you know, which apparently could potentially support life. Fascinating. It truly is. Uh, apparently, <laughs> I'm from Mars and other. Anyway, any plans to go to Mercury? What about Jupiter? What's happening they, there? They haven't announced that. They ha- they have. Didn't we say, but we had, you know, not maybe not a mission, not a robotic mission, but we definitely have telescopes that have been past Jupiter and out to the far reaches of our solar system. It's incredible. I read a lot of sci-fi, so I think that the possibility is there and very near in, in my lifetime. We might see it. Ozimov, Bradbury, D- Frank, the Herberts, the Dune. I mean, what are, you, what are you reading, Contessa? we got a new Dune movie coming out. Paul Maudib, Paul Atreides. Are we starting a book club? Here we are, 520 in the morning. Let's Sci- do it. Sci-fi book club. Let's do it. The Worldwide Exchange Book Club. It's pop-ups because everybody's too tired to read anything else. That's right. That's it. <laughs> We're going to post our favorite pop-up book, Good Night Moon or whatever it is. Contessa Brewer, we'll see in a few minutes. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Who knew? Sci-fi. Very cool. All right. Let's get a check on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera's in New York now with the latest. Francis, you want to be in the book club? Sure, I'm right there with you. I'm not really a sci-fi kind of genre, but something else on there. I'm doing the whole Harry Potter's thing now with my kids, so kind of late to that party. That's perfect. You're in. <laughs> okay. All right, Brian, let's get started with this morning's headlines. Uh, starting with free beer to Super Bowl tickets, President Biden is pulling out all the stops to get Americans to roll up their sleeves. The Biden uh, administration declared June a month of action unveiling more vaccination incentives and ways for Americans to get vaccinated. Right now, about 63 percent of adults in the U.S. have gotten at least one dose of the COVID vaccine. The administration wants to drive that number up to 70 percent by Independence Day. The iconic dress worn by Princess Diana at her wedding to Prince Charles in 1981 is going up for display. Visitors will be able to get an up-close look at all the delicate details of the gown at a new exhibit called Royal Style in the Making. It opens today at London's Kensington Palace, where the couple once lived. And it is going to be one last run for Coach K. Duke University announced legendary men's basketball coach Mike Krzyzewski will retire at the end of next season. The 74-year-old is the winningest coach in Division I men's basketball history and led Duke to five national titles in 41 years in Durham, before the Blue Devils, Krzyzewski coached at Army for five seasons. John Skyer, who played at Duke from 2006 to 2010, was announced as Coach K's successor. Can you imagine every single practice, every single game from here on out until that last day is going to be epic for him and for them, too, as well, the fans, Brian? Yeah, I mean, you got Krzyzewskiville, which is what they call all the tents that are sitting outside of the Cameron Indoor <laughs> Arena, all the kids there. You know, the thing about Coach K is, first off, awesome guy. Had the p- privilege to meet him a few times, talk to him, had lunch with him. It's that he hasn't aged. You said yeah. he's 74, and I kind of had to do this. He's looked the same for like 25 years, and I mean that as a compliment. You would think of after all the years and, and the stress and everything, and you know, you wear on him, but apparently not. But uh, you know what? Kudos, hats off to him. Going to be a big year and a big loss, certainly for college basketball, even though the rest of us ACC fans are probably secretly happy he's going just so we have a chance. <laughs> Francis, we'll see you in the book club. Yeah. Francis Rivera, thank Done you very deal. much. All right. You, you pick. All right, coming up. Don't call it a meme stock. Why AMC is more than just a day trader's favorite, so says one guy from BNY Mellon. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. 
you miss the episode every day or you're back on the road commuting or you live in Guam, I don't want download it. We're here for you. Dow futures down 70, cryptos up a touch, oil up again, and we're back right after this. Stocks seem stuck, but commodities are crushing it. Oil and metals both surging as 2021 shapes up to be the year of digging stuff out of the ground. Don't call it a meme stock. AMC surging again, but your next guest says AMC is more than just a day trader's favorite. And the king of SPAC salesmen added again. Chamath Palihapitiya going for not one, not two, but four new blank check companies in one new space. We'll tell you about it on this Thursday, June 3rd, and this is Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Thursday morning, 526 here on the East Coast. I'm Brian Sullivan. Let's get a check on your, your markets and your movers and stock futures. They are losing steam a bit. Not down again, about three-tenths of 1%, but Dow futures are implied down about 71 points right now. Still, it's been a heck of a run, not only in the last month or so, but for this year. The NASDAQ down 37. Just watch that continued rotation into value and things like energy and oil and gas stocks. Let's move on to the cryptos. They are moving a little bit more than the stock markets. And we are seeing a little bit of a bid come into the cryptos. Bitcoin up 3%. Ethereum up just under 4% to 2860. Bitcoin just above 39,000. Oh, by the way, there is a big Bitcoin conference taking place in Miami. It's about to kick off about 20,000 in-person attendees descending on Miami to talk about crypto, Bitcoin, and others. I guess normal certainly is back, although in Florida, nothing really ever changed much. But the stock everybody is talking about, of course, is AMC. AMC is up 95% yesterday. Yeah, yesterday it nearly doubled, up another 20% right now. As I just tweeted out, if you've owned AMC for, I don't know, you know, a couple days, take your family tonight or a friend to the movies. Buy them dinner. Maybe buy a new car. AMC is now worth more than Delta Airlines, Best Buy, or State Street Bank. Everybody's going to the movies again. Let's get more down your top morning stories. Contessa Brewer is back with those. Top that, the AMC move. What do you got that can outdo that? Are you ready for this, Brian? Engine number one has a bid to shuffle up ExxonMobil's board in a big way. We're getting preliminary results from Exxon's annual shareholder meeting, and the firm has now claimed a third seat on the board. Engine had already claimed two seats following in the conclusion of that meeting last week, and then this third seat was too close to call at the time. The firm's been targeting Exxon, pushing it to reconsider its role in a zero-carbon world. You can see shares off by a quarter of a percent in extended trading. The FBI is now investigating the ransomware attack on the ferry system serving Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket. The agency is examining the extent and the origin of the breach, which took down the Steamship Authority's website, but we're told not the vessel's safety, radar, or GPS systems. New York's Mass Transit Agency revealed it was the target of a cyber attack in April. Officials are blaming a group believed to have links to the Chinese government for that breach on the agency's computer uh, sy- systems. 
However, the MTA insists that hackers did not get access to the systems that control train cars, so rider safety wasn't at risk. And Chamath Paliapatia has filed paperwork for four new SPACs. The new blank check companies will have a specific focus on biotech and seek to raise at least $200 million each. That move comes as the SPAC market faces increased regulatory scrutiny and waning investor confidence. And Chamath is actually still seeking merger candidates for two of his six existing SPACs, Brian. He is the king of the, the SPAC sponsor, if you will. This, this cyber attack stuff, though, Contessa, is terrifying. Maybe not taking I'll control you what, you know, of the cover- subway system, but the fact that people are millions. I know it's, the ridership is down, but it's coming back. I mean, that's terrifying. It, it, it is. And, you know, I cover uh, insurance. Cyber insurance is a real thing. And even small companies are now having to consider it because of the massive spike in ransomware that has happened throughout the pandemic. It's remarkable. And the potential damage here, we saw what happens when the power grid went down in Texas earlier this year because of winter mm. storms. That can happen as the result of these cyber attacks as well. It is attention getting. It's alarming. It certainly is, by the way, and going after the steamship ferry. By the way, if you happen to make it to Martha's Vineyard, Oak Bluffs, Giordano's, there's a clam bar attached to it. I worked there in the summer of 1993. I don't know if it's any good or not, but check it out. Contessa Brewer, nobody learn cares. On Worldwide Thank Exchange. you very much. <laughs> that, that, that's it. You mention Wex and you get a 0% discount. Giordano's and Oak Bluffs. Contessa, thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's not just clams. Apparently, 2021 is also the year of digging other stuff out of the ground, whether it's oil to gold to rare earths. Pricing, prices are surging. Copper the same, near record highs. Copper up more than 30% this year. All that new electricity grid we keep talking about, that's going to be really expensive. In fact, all the metals are rocking. The XME, one of the big metals ETFs, is up 40% this year. But how much longer? Can this commodity boom continue and what's really behind it? Let's talk more now about this with Michael Widmer. He is commodity strategist at Bank of America. Michael, welcome. Everybody wants to say, oh, it's the, it's the reopen trade. Okay, listen, many parts of the economy never even, not shut down, never slowed down. Some of them took a brief pause. This is more than the reopen trade. This is China. This is low rates. This is uh, controlled supply. What exactly are the key reasons why prices for nearly everything in the ground are going up? It's actually been a long time coming. The point that you made uh, initially uh, that uh, this was a very different recession really mattered because we never really lowered our price forecast even during the first wave of the pandemic, basically thinking that you're coming out of that pandemic. And that's really where we are right now. You get a lot of fiscal and monetary stimulus, not just in uh, in China, but increasingly, obviously, also in Europe and the US. And a lot of that stimulus is um, geared towards parts of the uh, economy that actually require um, that require mined commodities or uh, or metals. So that on its own uh, already helps. And then going forward, I think we do get a lot of uh, green spending, right? And again, that has been coming for years, we knew that that uh, would at some stage hit. And I think uh, you can justify higher potential metals demand for specifically for copper, for instance, over the coming years, just on that uh, on that green spending. And all along, the miners 
had tightened their belt, forced by the markets. And uh, the equation there yeah. is relatively simple. You don't invest uh, and spend, you don't produce, right? Yeah, you know, our, our RBI coming up in a few minutes, Michael, is on driving trends in the United States. And I was pouring through the data yesterday. It has to do with map routing and stuff like this. Every traffic, like major city in the world, according to Apple and TomTom, that is booming in traffic is in China. And I'm just wondering, how big of a boom is China still, I don't want to say starting to experience, still experiencing? Is this, is this all them just buying up? pretty much all the world's major precious metals because it takes a lot of copper to big buildings and cities. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think China certainly was the main driver in uh, 2020. I think this year it's probably going to be uh, a little bit more balanced between uh, China and uh, world outside China. But the point that you're making is important. I think if you want to put more EVs, for instance, on the road, well, China has only just started to do that. If you want to build, build more for renewable grid, well, China has done this for a while, but still has got a little bit uh, to go. So there is a lot of pent-up demand uh, that should come through over the coming years. And that was the point that I tried to make on the potential demand growth. We have scope for sustained higher potential demand growth because we are decarbonizing the economy. Let me just say that decarbonization, to your point, means electrification. If you take fossil fuels out of the economy, mm. you need to put something else in. What you put in, in, in essence, are a lot of the mined commodities or MIFTs, metals important for future technology, as we call them. That's kind of the weird irony, Michael. I mean, to replace stuff you dig out of the ground, oil, you have to replace it with other things you dig out of the ground, like <laughs> rare earths and copper for the electric wires, to run the electric cars. That said, is there any place to still make money right now, Michael, in commodities, or is everything you know, fairly priced, overpriced? i give you one sector, for instance, I think that has still a lot of upside, and that is aluminum, partly because of the demand side, but on the other hand, mm-hmm. um, we don't have the investment from smelters, particularly in the Western world. All along, China is cutting down on its emission and its smelters, and so, you have a real pressure point here where um, the market is gradually flipping into a deficit. Some of the companies uh, out there say that they need at least $26,000 per ton to justify investment in new capacity. And guess what? We are not there yet. And you need you, you don't just see uh, companies invest once you hit 2600 You need to hit that for a while and potentially go above that to... Um, to uh, incentivize the investment. We actually say on aluminum that you potentially go up to 3,500 on the back of that uh, lack of spending. Tackling climate change is is expensive, right? That's where we we, uh, see that in in metals like aluminum. Prices need to go up to give uh, producers the money uh, to make the necessary changes to reduce emissions. I like it. Aluminum maybe is the, the new gold. Michael Widmer, Bank of America there, looking at all the commodity markets and the boom there. Uh, we're watching aluminum. Michael, thank you very much. Thank you. Dude, how'd you, how, you got a new Lamborghini. Would you buy GameStop at the bottom? No, no, I bought aluminum and sold it a few years later. All right, coming up, more on the other meme stock, AMC, which is more than A-OK with traders' shares surging again right now. They're up 20% this morning. AMC is now worth more than Delta Airlines or Best Buy. But as we head to break, some other big headlines right now. G7 members, they are expected to endorse the Biden administration's proposal 
for an ambitious global corporate minimum tax of 15% when their global leaders meet this weekend in England. This, according to a Treasury Department official, a full endorsement is expected at the end of the summit. Remember, though, it's just an endorsement. Whether anything actually changes the global tax rate still a very open question. The Federal Reserve has announced it will start unwinding its nearly $14 billion corporate portfolio the master in the pandemic. The move marks the central bank's exit from an unprecedented strategy to boost the corporate bond market during the volatility of last spring. And Apple is asking its staff to return to the office for three days a week beginning in early September. Long way off. Tim Cook making that announcement, adding employees will also have the chance to work remotely for up to two weeks per year. They used to call that vacation. Dow futures down to 56. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Call it the stock of the week. Call it the stock of the quarter. Call it the year, whatever. Just don't call it a meme stock. AMC Entertainment coming off. One of the wildest trading days we've seen in a while. AMC nearly doubled yesterday. Stock rose 95%. It had volatility, trading halts, closing in not quite on an all-time high. 700 million shares of AMC changed hands yesterday. By the way, shares now up 20% right now. That's another gain in the pre-market. It's probably worth about $35 billion dollars. And that means that AMC is worth more than Delta Airlines, Best Buy, or State Street Bank. Oh, and AMC is up 3,100% this year. This year. Wow. Joining us now is BNY Mellon, editor-at-large, Peter Madigan. Peter, good morning and welcome. What do you make of AMC? I mean, is this just a meme stock that's going to come back down to earth or, you know, I understand we won't, we want to go to the movies again and see Fast and Furious 9 or whatever, but is there anything real to this story? I think so. Um, I think we can't really describe AMC as a true meme stock any longer. Um, when I first started looking at this field back in late January, we had to identify uh, what actually constitutes a meme stock. And we the criteria we came up with was, was it trading about $10 a share at the start of the year? Did it have its year-to-date high at the end of January? And has it moved listlessly to the side, slowly declining through the spring and the summer of 2021 as the recovery trade has gone out of the way? Until two trading sessions ago, AMC met all those criteria alongside the names that you've been talking about, Brian. GameStop, BlackBerry, Bed Bath & Beyond, etc. What's happened in the last 48 hours is that AMC is behaving in a way unlike way we saw the meme stocks working together back in January 27, 28, 29th, during the height of the GameStop frenzy. Something different is happening now with AMC. Agreed, but let's let's move beyond COVID. Let's go pre-COVID, okay? Forget the pandemic. We're going to jump to back in time to 2018, 2019, before we even heard about COVID or lockdowns. Peter, the idea was everybody's buying 90-inch flat panels for 1500 bucks at Best Buy and building home theaters and, you know, distributed streaming movies. And that going to the movies was a thing of the past. That was before COVID. So I get the whole, let's go back out and go to the movies because we want something to do. But this is a company that was facing headwinds long before we had pandemics and lockdowns. 
Indeed. But then let's compare the AMC story to the other big cinema chains, Cinemark, Regal Group, IMAX. None of those other brick and mortar movie theater companies are seeing anything like this kind of acceleration. So if nothing else, I completely take your points about there are questions about whether people would still go to the movies. I mean, the last movie I went to see was Scorsese's The Irishman. And I could have watched that at home. But when it's a Scorsese movie, you go to the big screen. Um, but clearly, AMC is not the same beast as its large competitors. There's something different here. And it's that position that occupies in this Venn diagram where it's part meme stock, or at least it was part meme stock originally. But it's also the meme stock that has the most reopening trade capability. And that's what sets it apart. It's not a meme stock. It's the only one of the, the classic meme stocks that we've been talking about, GameStop, Bed Bath & Beyond, BlackBerry, et cetera, that's actually got a lot of runway to come as the economy reopens. And I see, I take your point about the structural problems, but it's got that special oomph that you get from the, uh, the Reddit crowd, the Robin Hood crowd, when they, uh, they get excited about your name. By the way, there's there's nine analysts that cover AMC, according to FactSet, and the average target price is $5.11. That said, Peter, how do we – I don't want to know about AMC. I want to identify the next meme stock. Now, I can't because I can't own individual stocks, but you get my point. What makes a meme stock? I mean, why did GameStop and why did AMC and Nokia and BlackBerry, why did they get all the attention? How are they found out? to begin with? I think it's simply the price point. If a meme stock is only defined by the fact that it's been discussed at length on Wall Street bets and other Reddit boards uh, by bored people at home spending their stimulus checks during the lockdown, well then Tesla would theoretically be a, a meme stock. But of course, back in January, Tesla was trading at 800, almost $900 a share. Today, Tesla's trading at $600 a share. It, that would never constitute a true meme stock because it doesn't have the accessibility, the price point of around that $10 uh, position where, it was, uh, for example, MC was trading at $2 a share at the beginning of this year. Um, GameStop was an outlier because it was already trading, I think, around $20 a share. But all the other names that we've been discussing, BlackBerry, Bed Bath & Beyond, Nokia, Cost Group, every one of them was around that $10 or lower range. And I think that's the sweet spot. So to define or discover the next meme stock, it's going to have to have, if nothing else, that's availability, that entry point where someone who's thinking this could be an absolute waste of money, but I mean, what the hell? It's it's $2 a share. Let's go for it. And anyone who did that with AMC back in January, well, as you say, Brian, they're very happy today. Yeah. And by the way, I'm happy for these people. I mean, why, you know, you, you place a bet, whatever, how much money you have, well, you buy it. Like you kind of implied, Peter, a lot of this stuff is probably being bought by, by money that people can afford to lose, whether it's the extra stimulus check or whatever it might be. To your point, it's like, ah, it's a couple bucks. I'll buy a couple hundred shares. If I lose it, I lose it. But now some of those folks are sitting on twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 probably. Good. I say good for them. I just want to know what the next one is going to be. Wouldn't we all? I mean, that's just supposition on my part. But when I say that AMC is different to the rest of them, clearly if it was just the uh, retail investors, and look, I think it was Mike Santoli or uh, Scott Wapner yesterday was saying that there's only, I think, 448 million shares of AMC in existence or out there. And the turnover yesterday was something like 420 million shares. So clearly this isn't buy and hold activity where people 
are anticipating that AMC is going to ride the wave up as the economy reopens in the next two years. Much of the frenetic activity yesterday was coming from those uh, folks who move in and out, maybe on the commission-free trading apps yeah. uh, we've been talking about these last months. But um, yes, are it's- you, Peter? Hold on. Are you suggesting on this program that if something is free, people will use more of it? What? <laughs> Far from it, Brian. Far from. It's, it's too early for the snark, isn't it, Peter? <laughs> Peter Madigan of BNY Mellon, we appreciate the views. Uh, a sane view there of AMC, Peter. Thanks very much. Great insight. By the way, analysts have almost nailed it. They're only 1,400% off their target price on AMC. Target price, $5.11. Stocks at 72 bucks. Only off by 1,380 or so percent on AMC. But they're close. Right on deck, your morning RBI, and the top three places in America where apparently everybody is driving to right now, and the places, they might surprise you. It ain't New York or L.A., we'll tell you that. Dow futures down a bit, Bitcoin up 1200 bucks, and we're back right after this. Well, your morning RBI hits on where we are hitting the road. We know the car sales have boomed, but... Where exactly are we going in all of our cars? Well, apparently not back to the office, but back to nature. And we know this by looking at Apple mobility data. Apple lists where the areas are that get the most routing requests on Apple Maps based on driving, walking, and transit. And based on their data, over the past two weeks, the biggest percentage jump in driving requests from Apple Maps, so it's not the places we're going the most, but the biggest percentage jumps are these three locations. The third biggest jump in map requests from January of 2020, pre-pandemic, to now is Camden County, Missouri, saying what? By the way, you watch Ozark? This is the home of Lake of the Ozarks. The second biggest percentage jump in Apple map routing requests in the last year and a half is Grand County, Utah. You're saying what? Yeah, the home of Moab, the mountain bike, and Arches National Park. They got a more than 500% jump in new map requests in the last year and a half. And the place with the most changes in Apple Map Asks is also in Utah, Garfield County. You're saying, what? It's the home of Bryce Canyon National Park. Now, a reminder, these are not the places with the most traffic. But they are the places with the biggest jump in people trying to use Apple Maps to figure out, I guess, where they're driving to or search for a restaurant. Kind of the irony. We want to get out into nature, but we're doing it by driving there. 2021, the year of the traffic jam, apparently in national parks. Random, but interesting, I think. Stay safe out there. All right, let's get back now to the broader markets. Joining us is Invesco, Chief Global Market Strategist, Christina Hooper. Know about somebody who's probably been to Bryce Canyon. I don't know about the Lake of the Ozarks, but Christina, welcome to the program. Um, I don't know if that made any sense, by the way, at all. It's kind of like trying to figure out what the Fed is going to do. So I'm going to ask you, what's the Fed going to do? We had Every day we have a Fed speaker on the tape, it feels like. And it also feels like they're, they're kind of starting to tell us, not, you know, tap us on the forehead, hey, we might move sooner than you think. What do you think? 
Well, right now, what we're really seeing is a chasm forming between the Board of Governors and the regional presidents. The regional presidents in general seem much more interested in getting this show on the road and starting to at least talk about tapering. Whereas what we're hearing from the governors is more uh, is more reluctance about when we start to even talk about tapering. So there's a big difference. Just yesterday, we heard from Lael Brainerd, who talked about how she thinks we're very far away from our goals. That was a very different story from what we heard from Patrick Harker, who wants to at least start talking about tapering. But I think we're headed in the direction of tapering, and we're going to hear more and more noise about it from the Fed. So much Fed speak that by the time the fall rolls around, we're going to beg them to start tapering just so we stop hearing about it. (laughs) And well said. And will we get a taper tantrum, Christina? What happens? They will taper at some point pending some sort of black swan event. What happens then? What happens to stocks? What happens to bonds? Well, I think the Fed is doing it right in terms of over-communicating, right? Communicate often uh, and and uh, communicate uh, loudly. And that's what they're doing so that we're very, very comfortable with that idea. And I think they'll go very gently in terms of the level of tapering at first. And so I don't expect us to see any kind of significant taper tantrum. And that's really what they want to avoid. And I think they'll be able to do it. You know, you, you actually, in some of your late, latest uh, pieces, Christina, always good reading, mentioned the mobility data that I just referenced as well. And what I'm looking at also is Europe. Europe seems like they're kind of where we were a few months ago. I wonder if there's better opportunities over there. Well, that's a great question. And I think, yes, European equities have longer legs because Europe is really following in the path of the U.S. The vaccine rollout hasn't been as quick in Europe, but they're catching up slowly. And so I think that uh, their future is our present. And we're seeing a really nice, strong economic rebound. Yeah, absolutely. Mobility data, to your point, is up. Cases in Germany off 96 percent from their highs. Christina Hooper, always a pleasure to have you on. Great insight. We'll look forward to the jobs number tomorrow and your reaction as well. Christina, take care. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. All right. You're very welcome. All right. And with that, we wrap up another worldwide exchange. It goes so quick. Download the podcast, by the way. If you miss it, of course, if I'm saying this, you missed it. You already may not have downloaded the podcast. Anyway, Dow Futures down 49. Bitcoin is up. Joe's favorite stock, AMC, is soaring. Three hours of nothing but AMC coming up next on Squawk Box. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.